Good evening and welcome to the Arista Gamer Podcast for January 2013. This is the first podcast of the year, everybody. Woo! So uh, I am I am joined. Uh, it's Colby. I'm joined by Casey and Devin today, and uh, we've got some uh, we've got some good topics to get into. Um, first of all, uh, holidays just ended. So uh, what did you guys get for for gaming loot over the holidays, if anything? Uh, I bought myself Far Cry Three. <laughs> Yeah, that counts. Uh, Guild, War- Guild Wars Two, recent purchase, but I did get that for myself. That was that. That is a fun purchase. I'm glad I did. Nice. I got uh, Zombie U. I'm not sure. Um, I actually haven't played it because I've like been too zombie busy. Zombie University, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, basically, you're just a zombie. You're going to class and you're taking pre-cal and scuba diving. <laughs> and uh, no, like. I mean, the the game's really cool uh, looking. Oh, it looks really serious. cool. I didn't get to play it um, because I've been too busy. But I, I, well, I was watching somebody play it on my Wii U. And, you know, it looks okay. From what they said, the controls are kind of stupid and it's a little bit difficult and it's kind of convoluted. So the, I, it, it seems like there's not much substance. But, hey, you know, what are you going to do? Free game is a free game. So what do you think about Guild Wars 2 so far, Casey? Yeah, I don't know much about any of it other than it exists, so fill me um, in. Um, if you do not like World of Warcraft, you're going to like Guild Wars 2. Never Ooh. played World of Warcraft, so... You would I played the beta. love uh, Guild Wars 2, then. Um, the biggest thing is, it's still an MMO. You see, leveling up, you're going and doing random tasks to gain XP, but the way you do so is completely different. Instead of just, instead of finding a list of things to do... You go to a map, and it has um, waypoints, it has um, various people you can talk to to do favors for, but then it also has things like um, skill skill point achievements, where you go and conquer this um, area, and you get a skill point for leveling up your character. Um, the best one is the random events that happen in the game. No matter what you're doing, if you're on a server, a random event can happen. And you can go fight a giant ice elemental beast with, like, 20 other people to gain XP. That sounds pretty sweet. really is. Like, imagine people... T- like, if you talk to people who play WoW long, long enough and have, like, the little 80 characters, they'll talk about raids or events they go and do at level 80 with, like, 20 or 30 people, um, you know, taking on this, like, giant group of monsters. You can do that, like, level 5. I'm, I'm, like, level 10 right now, or 15, I think, and um, I'm just I'm just running around doing stuff, and then all of a sudden, oh, look, uh, a thing pops up and says, oh, go fight the, you know, Svanir Shaman or something. I go over there, and there's 20 people fighting this giant ice elemental dragon that's shooting f- ice crystals down at us and destroying people. That sounds awesome. It really is fun, and I'm enjoying it. It's still an MMO. Well, that's so what counts. There's still, like, the the, the level shrugging that you're like, okay, let's get this XP so I can level up and get more stuff and get into a new area. But they they do make it fun and worth doing. Yeah, and it seems like for, from whenever the game was initially coming out, one of the big selling points was that things happen without you. So quests exactly. like the one that you're talking about, like, you don't have to initiate that quest. It's started, and it's going to go on with or without you. Exactly. And, and that's uh, cool. The best one of the other things is that if you're playing with friends, um, say a friend ha- comes in to help you and he's like a level forty, they instead of scaling the pe- the monsters around you up or anything, they scale the person down to your level, so he doesn't come in and steal your XP or t- or just like mow through monsters. Like, I oh, mean, that's cool. When we did the Borderlands two review and we were playing with uh, Ben. He he came in and just mowed down everything around us because he was like level thirty four and we were level fifteen. Oh, that was yep. fun. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. That, <laughs> okay, instead they 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 level him. They level they would level him down to like uh, twelve or thirteen based on your level. He would st- he would still be pretty powerful and he could still help you. He'd still mow down creatures, but you get the same XP he does, the exact same XP. So that's cool. Um, you don't lose or. Uh, that you don't lose XP, or nor do you um, lose the experience of actually try, like, trying to fight these things on your own, because they will attack you and kill you. Yeah, I mean, it, I uh, whenever I went to GDC online, they had um, they had these two people from Guild Wars Two that they were talking about, it, and they were like, "Oh, these are the things, the considerations that we wanted." And 
I started to look at it uh, like because there wasn't much information there. They were just basically talking about the development process, the writing and all that. But uh, the, the cool thing to me was that they were like, oh, yeah, here's this quest. And here's the thing. Like, here's a quest that only becomes available whenever you pass by this person as they're saying this thing. They say this thing occasionally. So, you know, if you're passing by them at that certain time, you can hop in on this quest. But, you know, it, whether you do or not, it, it does it doesn't matter. You know, they can say this thing and the quest doesn't initiate or, you know, you could be there for 10 minutes and they won't say the thing that they're supposed to be saying. So I thought it was really cool in that there are like pseudo one of a kind moments that happen in the game that you have to be present for and you have to sort of accept okay i'm not going to be able to do everything all the time and i'm not going to be able to schedule the world around me i am on the world's schedule now that's pretty cool i love that i love the idea of using of doing more of that kind of real-time stuff kind of like what makes of the daisy mod really really interesting and unique compared to a lot of these other zombie games i mean even more so than it being a simulation but that it's also based on a real-time uh clock depending on where the server is hosted that you know when it enters nighttime it's going to be nighttime for the next several several hours and you're gonna have to figure out how to deal with that or you're gonna have to log back in at a different time until it's daytime because this is shooting for more of the simulation aspect and i, I like that concept a lot yeah yeah, actually, speaking of Day Z, um, like I read, I read your article, Devin, and um, yeah, I, I'm really sad about that. Basically, so Day Z is a mod for Arma Two in which uh, you just get plopped down into, I think, Russia, and uh, you're just hanging out and you're trying to survive. Russia. You try to get a helicopter to leave. That's general. I mean, there's no real end objective. That's the end objective if you really want to make one, uh, is to get the helicopter and leave. Um, But you're chased around by zombies. Other survivors are trying to kill you, and you're all in one persistent world, uh, depending on whatever server you're on. Well, that is trying to make it to be a standalone game. And originally, they were like, oh, yeah, that shouldn't take much time. We'll just make it its own standalone game. We'll add some different features to it, and it'll be done. But then they couldn't use Arma 2, so they actually had to rebuild the entire back end. And so now, it, who knows when it's going to be done. They say well, they're still working on it. Yeah, so. they're still working on it also because since they're rebuilding it all, they pretty much decided, well, all right, since we're doing this, let's just go ahead and do a complete overhaul and really make this into a standalone instead of trying to recreate what we already have the success we'll keep this we'll keep the elements we'll keep what makes it good but they're putting in a lot of uh this work of the physics engine and everything to make it a completely separate game that isn't related to arma 2 so they kind of they just kind of figured well if we're doing this we'll just do all of it i guess yeah and i think that's a pretty cool idea uh one of the things that i was reading is that apparently their inventory system is such that uh some of your items have health so uh, they said if you are trying to kill another survivor to take his night vision goggles and you shoot him in the head to do that, the night vision goggles are going to be damaged because you shot him in the head. Oh, so, that's good detail there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, I mean, depending on whatever, you know, arm or whatever limb has the thing that, you know, you're uh, that you're interested in, don't shoot that limb. Otherwise, you're going to damage that item. That's cool. And yeah, I, that, that's the, see, that's the thing. I've I've wanted to check this out, but I just don't want to buy Arma Two to check this out. And it was like you know, you and I discussed the moment we found out this thing was become a standalone. We says, all right, we're just gonna wait till it's a standalone, so we don't have to get Arma Two because we're never actually gonna play that. We're just gonna get it solely for the mod, and that's that's just not right, you know. And so. Um, I was disappointed to find out they were delaying it, but at the same time, I was excited to hear because that just means they're giving it that much more effort, and I really can't wait. Yeah, same here. Um, I, I've been really interested in it, um, especially since um, the War Z controversy happened. Oh, jeez. Did you guys read about that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I guess I should have, though. Yeah, uh, tell him, uh, tell him, Casey. So... Uh, these, I, I don't know, uh, it's like a couple of dudes came out with the War Z, which is exactly, pretty much exactly the same thing as, uh, a Daisy. Like, you pretty much look at it, it, it is a pretty, it's not necessarily a carbon copy, but everything that would identically, would, anything that makes, that makes, uh, that matters is going to be exactly the same as Daisy, And it comes out, uh, I think either a couple days before, or a couple days after, I don't remember, uh, right after the developers that made Daisy announced that they're going to make it a standalone. Or Z is comes there anything out, that makes it unique from Daisy? 
Not so really okay, no. There's some differences here and there. Um, I couldn't really tell you um, right off the bat. However, uh, the bigger the bigger news here is not you know that it's a ripoff. I mean, ripoffs happen all the time. The bigger news is that they released the beta. And they were like, okay, here are the features that are going into the beta. Well, they released the beta, and the beta sucked. Beta had a whole bunch of glitches, a whole bunch of things that were wrong with it. And people were like, okay, well, we're still interested in the game. We still want to play the game. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll wait around until the full version comes out. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The de- developers were like, yeah, don't worry about it. We're going to have all these cool features. Everything's going to be fixed. Don't worry about it. And so, you know, some time goes by, and it's time to release the game. Well, they decide uh, to release it on Steam. Everybody buys it. Everybody has already pre-ordered it and has already pre-ordered it and everything. So they start playing it, and they realize the features that they were promised weren't in the game. They had pre-ordered based on the features that they had been promised. Now, a the features weren't there. B the features that they listed that they listed on Steam weren't there, and uh, C they also. Um, the game was completely unpolished, just like in Chivalry. Like in Chivalry, if you try to join a server that's full, it'll give you this weird garbled, uh, like debug message. That's yep, the same thing that happens that. in the War Z. Um, so the War Z does that everywhere, though. Like, there's a whole bunch of debug statements that are in there. Then and they just rushed it out so that way they could get it out before Daisy comes, and they could probably ca- they could try and cash in on it, on people's impatience, and it kind of exactly. put them in the butt. So I'm mm-hmm. glad it did because you know if you if you rush out a product to that kind of extent just to be able to beat out the guys that already had this concept out, then that's just you know nuts to you. Yeah, and the interesting thing is that for the uh, I think it's the first time uh, Steam actually pulled the game off of their market because everybody was complaining so much, and they were like, "Okay, wow. the developers have given a false listing. They promise things that the game does not deliver. Uh, we are pulling this down until they can rectify the situation." And so it was a giant, embarrassing thing for them. A whole bunch of people are demanding refunds, and Steam is giving them out as well. Steam is refunding your money and taking back the keys and everything. So wow, Steam has never refunded unless you requested for one on a pre-order. Like if the game hasn't come out yet, they'll generally refund it. But otherwise, they don't do that. Yep. So wow, they did that badly. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, like specifically, I I know I know that there were some people that were on the internet that were just that were talking about this game, and they were like, "Yeah, I don't know, I'm really excited about it, but I really, you know, I'm kind of worried about the bugs that are in it." You know, the developers say they're going to fix it and everything, and then the day that it came out, everybody was shouting on the internet. It was great. There were tons of threads on Reddit and 4chan and something awful. Everybody was just slaying these developers. It was crazy. They deserved it. I agree. I couldn't agree more, actually. Um, so, I mean, now that we've gotten, I guess, <laughs> a sidetrack from that. Uh, so, it's 2013. It's January 2013. What games are you looking forward to this year? By the way, I'm going to start this one off. Um, okay, number good, one. Back. Okay, good. Uh, I'm going to start this off. My favorite game, or my game that I think is going to be my favorite game uh, of this year, is coming out one week from today, and it's Nino Cooney. Nino Cooney yeah. is coming to the U.S. next week. I'm gonna play it. You can't stop me, Nanana Boo Boo. It's like what the 25th, right, or the 22nd? 22nd. One oh, week from wow. today, whatever today's date is. I need to go buy that. I agree. Um, I'm sorry, a... I just got back. What's coming out? Nino, Nino Cooney next week. All right, go back to talking. Cause I don't know. Yeah, so Nino Cooney's coming out next week. Uh, we've talked about it extensively. Basically, it's sort of a throwback to old JRPG type games, but it's also got elements of like uh, of like Pokemon in it, and I don't know. It's going to be a really cool game. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Go watch the trailer if you haven't already. Uh, there's some news posts about it on our website. You can take a look at that. Um, so yeah, what about you, Casey? What are you excited about for this year? Um. So far, the one that I really am going to enjoy is Bioshock Infinite. Woo! But I'm anxious to see what happens with Watch Dogs. If they release any more information, if it's going to come out this year or next year, because Watch Dogs could easily take that spot if I get more information about it this year. Because that's one of those things, that was one of those sleeper, sleeper things that has not, like, they announced something at E3 last year, haven't said anything about it yet. They're like, Here's here's the trailer. Here's some cool info. No more information until probably this year. And so if they say something at E3, 
It, like, I would love it if they said, oh, look, if, like, you know, the ideal Magical Christmas Land situation is um, Sony, and P- Sony and Microsoft both announced new consoles, and then Ubisoft says this is going to be on the new console in the fall. I doubt it. I highly doubt it, but it'd be funny. And you know what? I actually, um, E3 this year, I'm almost guaranteeing you that we're going to see an- at least another Xbox console. PlayStation, maybe not, but definitely Xbox. Oh, um, yeah. And they even demoed, they had this demo reel at CES that a whole bunch of people were thinking is going to be the next Xbox. Did you guys see that? The uh, Intelliroom? Mm-hmm. Mm. No, I didn't see that. Yes, I did a demo reel for that. That looked actually really fun. So basically what it is, is they, it interacts. So for the console, they have a projector and like a Pico projector and a, um, and, and the connect. Basically what happens is the connect will, uh, look, will use the projector and everything to look around the room and it will scan the entire room, get a layout of the room and it will project from the projector things beyond your TV screen. So maybe your menu system is on the wall, or maybe you know you're, you're flying down this canyon, and instead of just you know seeing what you can see in the TV, you're seeing all the stuff on your wall too. You know, people that are coming overhead and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it should be fair to point out though that when they showed the demo reel of uh, the, they showed a demo reel of like a live a live demo of it actually happening like they had a prototype and it working and for the most part it only showed like light effects like when you're like running through a street firing stuff it had like blurry lights off the sides or you know various little things that uh projected uh off to the sides beyond the tv so uh we i don't think i did you see anything that had i didn't see much of it but i didn't see anything that had like an actual inventory or anything outside the screen yeah i didn't see that either but i wouldn't i don't see why that wouldn't be possible uh true so the other reason why this is even more plausible and so for one there's so many technical limitations that i am i'm gonna be really surprised if this is actually in their next console but because scanning the room is I mean, that's wholly difficult. You have to understand, like, the system has to understand, A, what windows are, B, uh, the fact that windows lighting is going to change all the time, C, that doors can open and close, you know, there's so many different factors. Uh, your what furniture kind of can change. register and not register? Exactly. Yes. Sure. Um, so, I mean, in addition to that, but... I guess in contrast to that, there's also been a partnership going on in between Samsung and Microsoft recently. Um, they, they announced it, I think, last year. It kind of flew under the radar. There wasn't very much announced with it. Um, but Samsung also just came out with their Pico projectors, the Pico projectors that you can put like on your smartphone. So people were thinking... Uh, and in those in that leaked Xbox uh, 720, uh, the, Dur- the Durango documents that um, that Devin posted, in those you can actually see that they're talking about for the Connect 2 it having a projector as well. So there's a whole bunch of things that point to this may be a possibility. Um, I'm gonna be really surprised if it um, not not so much that it comes out, but that it comes out and works well. Because I have no idea where they're going to get that technology from or how they're going to be able to do it effectively. Because that just sounds crazy to me. Yeah, and, exactly. I'm kind of afraid that this is going to be something that may be rushed out. I mean, I, I'm sure it's something that can and will be developed to proficiency. But what it's going to take to get to that kind of level. Because, I mean, when the Wii first came out, the motion detect... the, the oh, I'm sorry, the, uh, the Wii modes, you know, the motion sensor thing was fun and all. But... There was a lot of games that really didn't know how to utilize that kind of system fully, and so you had a whole bunch of twitching about and swords flying around in circles and crap that really shouldn't be happening. Yep. I mean, and it's it's really funny that you bring that up, too, because um, according to Gabe Newell, basically motion controls are getting to the point where it, it doesn't make any sense to continue using them. Uh, he said that the pinnacle of motion controls was Wii Sports. That was the absolute greatest they could have ever gotten on motion, and they got it right, and that's it. <laughs> the yeah. first one. All right. That's right. And yep. he said this in an interview about our next topic, the Steam Box. 
Um, he said oh this in my. relation to controls. I'm going to go ahead and, and segue into that. Uh, it, he said this in relation to the controls in that uh, – so they, they asked him. They were like, well, what kind of controllers are you looking at? Are you looking at doing motion or, or connect or whatever? And he was like, no, we think that's kind of played out. It's really inaccurate. We don't really see a business need for it. What we're going to go with is biometrics. So measuring things like your heartbeat or you know how – like the moisture on your hands or how you're holding the controller, how tightly you're gripping it. Um, you know, so things about your body, your body heat. Well, I mean, to change the game depending on what you're doing. So, I mean, let's say, you know, I'm holding this controller and it can tell how much I grip, like, on, I don't know, let's see, like, the right-hand side. Then maybe it'll know, you know, if I'm playing, if I'm playing, like, Assassin's Creed and I'm riding on a horse and I, like, grip the right-hand side, then it'll, you know, turn to the right or whatever. That's an example. It's obviously a really stupid example. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say, if, if they're doing, if they're changing the game based on biological uh, occurrences, then what about people that have a slightly higher heart rate and have no control of it or don't perspire at all or so, you know, a whole bunch of other things? I mean, they, they may not have a tight grip because they are incapable of it. And so, you know, the game is automatically making changes that they may not want because they have no control. So, I mean, that's what that's what control and normalcy groups are for. Uh, basically, whenever you like whenever you start off, um, I'm betting what they'll do for something that ha- has biometrics or whatever is they'll either make you play like a small demo game or they'll make you set up your entire um, your, your Steam box with the control with the biometric controller so that it can measure your heart rate throughout that entire process. So, you know, this is your resting heart rate. Um, your average heart rate is this much. We can calibrate this to this, that to that. Um, I think the cool thing about this is, though, is that it's given uh, developers or that it's that it, it can put the tools in the hands of developers the opportunity to base things on their game off of unconscious inputs from the player. So no longer is the player just giving, OK, here are the buttons that I'm pushing. It's also here's generally how the player is feeling. Here's maybe what the player is looking at if you're using cameras. You know, uh, here's what the player, you know, is is gripping or, or, you know, how they're holding the controller, how they're orienting this and that. So, I mean, it, it's putting more tools in the hands of developers. Now, how they use it, again, that could go the exact same way that the Wii did in which nobody uses it effectively and everybody's like, oh, did you know if you hold a controller and your heartbeat goes up, uh, you run faster because heart rates. Because that end, makes sense. That's our game. Running. Running. Just run. Go fast. GTA 6. Run. <laughs> that's the subheading. GTA 6. Yeah. Run. I think I, the, the Steam Box <laughs> looks to be an interesting console uh, as far as being able to do things that some of the, that the other consoles can't. It just... It's coming to me as a console that can play on Steam servers. I mean, it's... But isn't that, I, I doesn't know. that sound amazing? Like no, no, because I already have a PC. Okay, but think think about the people that don't, or people about the think about the people that are are trying to figure out what to invest in, because they're not going to pay for a gaming PC. Right. Gonna... Okay. Um. Do they have they re- what kind of information have they released on the hardware? I don't remember exactly. So, um, from my, like from the research that I've done, uh, and and what Gabe Newell's quoted, basically he said that they are having uh, approximately three different tiers. Um, first here is good because they're doing good, better, best. It's, uh, it's a pretty, pretty standard marketing type thing nowadays, but, um, so they're doing good, better, best where good is a console steam box that will sit in your living room and it will stream your steam games from your PC. So basically your PC would be playing the game, but you would be streaming it to the steam box. Steam box would be displaying it on your TV while you have your controller. Right. Um, so there's that, uh, that's good. Better is it has DVI cable for that. Well, yeah, but this is doing it wirelessly with um, Miracast, I believe it is. Um, oh, okay, okay. So that's kind of cool. Um, so that's nice. You know that that in itself would be would be a selling point for some people. And then he said that uh, the approximate pricing for that would be like ninety nine dollars, maybe two hundred dollars, something in that range. Um, then better is something that has a dedicated CPU and GPU to uh, process the game locally. So, I mean, you're connecting to Steam, you're playing it on your Steam box, and they're saying that that could cost um, three hundred dollars and up. Um, so for for a good, you know, one. And right. the best one is anything that's beyond that. So if you want 
So uh, that uh, the example that would come to mind is the uh, the piston uh, XI three this company that had a failed Kickstarter. It seems that they've gotten backing from Steam to uh, make this thing called Piston. Uh, Piston we think is going to be one of the first Steam box consoles. It's based on one of their other systems. It's very small, uh, very compact. It's got uh, powerful processing in it. From what they say, it's based on um, this other on this other box that they have, and it's nine hundred ninety nine dollars. The Piston doesn't have any pricing yet. So we don't know how much it will be, but it should be one of the Steam boxes. Um, so the pricing schemes are obviously going to scale up with you know features and stuff like that. But you know it's they're they're trying to bring they're trying to merge the console and uh, and and uh, PC gaming realms, and I think that's not necessarily a bad idea. Granted, um, there's uh, as far as the good tier goes, there's a product that is going to come out from Nvidia that does that called the Shield. Nvidia Shield is um, basically imagine like a uh, imagine a PlayStation Three controller or a three sixty controller, and then you plug your smartphone into the top of it. That's basically what the shield is. It uh, um. streams games from your PC, um, and you can play them locally in your hand. In addition to that, it can play its own mobile games. So it's oh, like so it just turns your phone into a little tiny monitor, and then you can play. So the computer's actually doing it's doing what the Vita and the uh, stinking PS3 could do. Right, except the difference here is that you're not actually using your cell phone. It's all dedicated hardware. Like, I just gave that as an example. It's its own touchscreen. It's its own gamepad. So, I mean, it's you would have to buy everything. PC playing, yeah. Now, yeah that's yeah. a concept I can get on board with. That makes complete sense to me. Yeah. I'm still kind of torn on where Steam's going with this because, I mean, I have some faith in Valve, but at the same time, I don't. So, I, I, I'm, it, it's just a little confusing what their true direction is what they say it is and what it's actually going to do. But that one with NVIDIA, I like. I like that a lot. Well, I think I think the Steambox has some applications when it comes to streaming streaming games to a bigger TV. I mean, I would love playing, like, imagine playing Walking Dead, you know. Like, you can get it on your 360, right? You can get The Walking Dead on my Xbox Live, right? I think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you don't have to have an Xbox for that. If you can if you can invest in if you have a gaming PC or you have something that plays Steam games well enough, and you can say, okay, I want to play this on, I want to stream this to my TV because it play it's bigger. I can play it with friends. Uh, Dungeon Defenders comes to mind, or Castle Crashers. If you if you don't have worms. much worms, if you don't invest in consoles, but you want to be able to play with your friends and not be uh, alone in your room playing with your PC. Then this seems like a good investment, and that sounds thing... like the land killer, if you ask me. No, Actually, ha-ha. I think this is like the land enhancer. Um, in that, uh, there's another feature that I haven't I haven't mentioned yet is that Gabe Newell is saying that uh, the next generation Steambox, I think he said, like after Kepler, which is a uh, an Nvidia technology, after that comes out, or after that is end of life, whatever. Um, anyway, after Kepler, what they're looking at doing is powering eight different TVs from the same Steam box with eight different controllers, everybody playing the same game, one console, eight different TVs. That's pretty cool. Um, that is pretty cool. In that, you know, from now, I mean, imagine we're like, okay, everybody, we're going to have a LAN party this weekend. Everybody show up at my house. Bring a TV. That's it. <laughs> Only bring a TV. Don't bring your consoles. Don't bring. Don't bring your PC. Don't bring. You know, a whole bunch of power stations and everything. We I have one rest. Steam box. Everybody bring your controller. Everybody bring your own TV, and we're done. Well, that's yeah. for eight people to play on the same game, though. Well, what? About, I mean, I mean, naturally, that's what LAN parties are for, of course. But at the same time, that is going to be quite a load on that Steam box, and. Yep. Oh my god, I can only imagine how what kind of freaking heat sinks that thing's going to need. Yeah. yeah. Um so I mean, as far as like technology goes, we don't we there's no specifics on what is going into it. You know, we don't know if they're doing a CPU and GPU combo or if they're going with like an APU from AMD or anything like that. So right. Well, uh, as, as far as like cost-effective steam boxes or cost-effective consoles go i think the steam box will be a good standard for like the 99 dollars console that a lot of people are looking for similar to how like the wii was a cost-effective uh console to get because it was pretty cheap and you can get it for your family i yeah. think the ouya is going to be another interesting 
console is going to come out in the next couple, I think it's going to come out by the end of this, this year, and it's going to be very interesting to see what that does. Because, have you, did you guys see the unboxing video? I did not, know. No, they, I'm just obsessing over the name right now. They, they opened it up and put it next to a coffee cup, and it is the almost, it was smaller than a coffee cup. Or about the same That's kind of cool. I'm it, glad I watched the video on that one. It literally, they showed the, it was a developer, it was like a developer console they, they shipped out to somebody, and um, it had just enough space for like an HDMI port, two USB ports, and a power. And you could see inside was just the motherboard, you know, a small little chipboard, and a giant fan they put on it to, to cool the system more. And that was it. That's pretty good. And when they plugged it in and everything, it worked fine, and it had the random, you know, weird control looking controller, but... I'm looking to see what the Ouya can do because they they literally showed them taking it off with with four Phillips head screwdrivers. Like if that is, if it's if it's as simple as that to take off, then people are gonna mod it. And that's it's what as they simple wanted. as that to break. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Gonna break it in half with a sledgehammer. Cool. Yes, but I'm gonna go I mean, Gallagher on that thing, man. <laughs> but man, I can just imagine if you can mod uh, if you can buy mods, download program mods you can upgrade it with ram or you know anything else then that that would be i I would want to have that more than i would want a 360 because then if if you can say uh mod it out to upgrade with like uh the cpu or a different fan then you could if in 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 theory keep up with you know new technology with the youngsters with the youngsters and so you could in theory you know be able to play newer games or play games that you couldn't play before. Yeah, which... actually, that's one thing that uh, that XI3 was talking about with their Piston console is that they had a board that was doing most of their video processing. So they were like, hey, you want to upgrade to the next generation thing? You pop that board out, you slap in a new one, it's brand new. Right, because that's the thing that's starting to kind of be interesting, I, I find, with a new generation of consoles is that now you can get a pretty much middle of the range laptop or PC and it can power it can be more powerful than a 360 and yep and if they and if they and if they don't if they don't release a new console soon or through this console and it doesn't really have any marked performance improvements then i think a lot of people are going to look at the console and be like that's cool but i can get a lot more games with this PC because it does it has the exact same amount of power if not more yep I mean, so, I like where that's going. I like where so that's going. So, here's the other thing is that even if I mean, let's say it comes out so okay, but before I even go there, uh another cool thing that I think about it is that uh you know, now I've got a controller in my hand. You know, I can play the game the exact same way that I would on 360 or PS3. Let's say Dishonored came out, right? So I'm playing Dishonored, and I'm like, man, I really like this game, or Skyrim. Yeah, Skyrim's a way better example. So I'm playing Skyrim, right? I want to play it with a controller on my TV uh, because, I don't know, I am that kind of person. Um, But I also want to be able to do mods. So all of a sudden, I'm thinking, no, I'm not going to buy it on PS3 or 360. I'll buy it on Steam, and then I'll just stream it to my TV through the Steam box and play it like that. So now you can get all of the same console games... You know, I guess relatively later, since PC is sort of like a last resort for some developers now. I don't know why, but um, you get the same stuff, the same upgrades, the the faster like loading times, bigger hard drive space, you know, better cloud Mostly service, the mods, though, <laughs> and all of the mods. I mean, can you imagine playing uh, playing Vegas uh, Fallout New Vegas right now on PS3? It's still probably super buggy. Whereas within, I don't know, what was it, two weeks, one month, Fallout New Vegas was working perfect for most people? Yep. On PC? I mean, that's the kind of thing that Steam is introducing. The bigger implications of Steambox are the kind of pressure that it's going to have to put on home console makers. Because now, Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo can't... They can't really, like, if it becomes popular, they can't justify charging a developer $400 to release a patch to their game. No, but no developer's going to do that. They're going to get the most outdated software, and people are going to choose the Steam box over it. Because A, there's better deals. Uh, B, there's better customer service. C, there's better updates. And D, there's mods. There's mods, people. Yeah, that'll People be make their living off of Steam. There are people that 
only, like all day. They wake up, they make items in TF2, they make items or mods for sale for, for different games, and that's all they do. They make a six-figure salary off of Steam. And Valve loves that. That's what they want to encourage. They want their user base to continue contributing to the gaming community. And that's excellent. I think that's that's one of the best ideas. And that's something that um, that all the home consoles are missing out on is that two-way communication with their fan base. Because the fans can vote with their dollars and say, you know, I don't really want to do this or I, I don't really want to buy this game. But what if maybe instead of – because like Arma 2 was relatively successful, right? It was okay. Um, the sales numbers were pretty good. However, whenever DayZ came out, that was whenever consumers said, this is a thing I want to play. I want to play this, and I'm willing to buy Arma 2 in order to do it. So you can see a giant spike in sales, and you can see very clearly all developers now get the message, okay, people want an open-world uh, zombie survival horror game. That's what they want. Why don't we make that? And it's really easy to tell those numbers and to see those metrics on Steam whenever, you know, if... The same game came out on PlayStation 2 or PlayStation 3. There's there's no DayZ mod. There would never be a DayZ mod. The best nope. you could get is like a lot skins of that they offer. sales are because of the incredible amount, the thousands of mods that are out there for it. I mean, it, okay, maybe mm. not thousands, but there are definitely hundreds out there. And it's just insane how big the modding community can get with certain games. And a game is very popular already, but then... You know, like with Daisy, it's just it's just the way it's just the future, man. And in addition to that, um, Valve is not like restricting what controllers you can play with. So you know how with our regular consoles, you know, you have the proprietary controllers, and then you have like the weird add-ons that some people like to put in and stuff like that. But they're generally the same controller. Well, with Steam, for one, Valve has the patent on. Um, on controllers that you can switch out the inputs. So if you don't need a D-pad for one game, you could switch it out for four extra buttons, or you can switch it out for, uh, I don't know, a third joystick. I don't know. You can switch it out for a whole bunch of different tactile inputs. Maybe you want a touchpad or whatever. Um, they have the patent on that, so you know their controllers may be able to be configurable. But the bigger news than that is that you can use a keyboard and a mouse to play any of these games. Now, you can kind of do that with a PlayStation right now, but... Steam, uh, the Steam box is going to be running Linux, and it's going to be running Steam on top of that. So that's something that keyboard and mouse is kind of built for. So you know, if you want, if you still want to play your FPS games, if you still want to say, okay, I want to play Counter Strike and I want to play it on my TV, you can use a keyboard and a mouse if that's what you're comfortable with. But they've also promised that their controllers are going to be way, way, way more precise. That's what they're working on is precise and lag. They think that there is too much lag for wireless controllers for hardcore gamers to deal with, and that in games like Counter-Strike, what you have to deal with more is how inaccurate your camera is. Because, I mean, go go and play on console something like Call of Duty or, or you know, or some game like that, <laughs> and you'll notice how inaccurate the camera is. <laughs> And, I'm not going to play Call of Duty. <laughs> I mean, you take a look at a game like that and you realize how inaccurate your camera is. You know, you click it all the way over to the side and you go, you know, one beep and then you're done. Or, you know, you just barely push it and you're going as slow as possible in the finest increments possible. Well, what if I want to go fast to a very precise location? That's what the, what Valve is working on right now. And I think that's really exciting, too. So not only, I think, are they trying to innovate the console space by introducing all of the great PC stuff that comes with it, they're also innovating the controllers. So even if you're, you're like, so the, the, the real argument comes down, who is going to buy this console? Now, I'd like to ask you guys that question, because for me, I think the answer lies somewhere in between somebody who wants a console and somebody who wants a PC. You know, maybe somebody's like, well, I don't know if I want to buy a PlayStation 4. It seems great and everything, but, you know, I also really want to buy this gaming PC. Well, all of a sudden now there's, you know, a $500 option that plays all of the Steam games. You can play it on your TV. You can get a wireless keyboard and a mouse if that's what you want. You can install other operating systems on it. It's a full-fledged computer. You can install other OSs. Not a big deal. And you can just run Linux barebones off of it. It doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want to with the hardware. So, I mean, yeah, why... that's the other thing is I was wondering how far you can go with the hardware because a big demograph of the 
PC gamers out there are the ones that have, you know, they have high-end systems because it's something they've been learning and refining over several years. I mean, that they, they're uh, overclocking certain graphics cards and their processors in order to get maximum performance without completely frying out their motherboard. And I mean, it's just they have. It's almost. It's well. It's not almost. It is a subculture within itself. So. Uh, I was wondering how far you'd be able to get to that with the Steam console because, I mean, it's not just guys trying to, you know, one-up each other, but they really want to be able to play something like Crisis 2 while still pulling out 65 frames per second. So, I think, I, I think what, we're, what the Steam box is going to look at is people who, are gonna, who have a Steam account and don't buy Crisis 2. The games that they're going to own are going to be things like, um, there is going to be like a dad that owns Steam and plays, like, Left 4 Dead and uh, mm, Dungeon Defenders with his friends and uh, probably probably owns something like Civilization V. And I think then he'll have kids that want to play, like, Lego Star Wars or uh, uh, Plants vs. Zombies. And then the Steam right. box will be great because instead of having to buy an exclusive console and let and then buy more stuff... He goes, okay, I'm going to buy a tool that lets me extend, that may turn my, my TV into a second PC, and my kids can play Legos, Lego, you know, Lego Star Wars, or Lego whatever, or, and my, or my oh, wife. The kids can't. only play Legos, that's it. <laughs> yeah, they only play Lego games. But, you know, they can do that, and they may not want to play Crisis 3 with, or Crisis 2 with 43 frames per second, but they might want to play Bioshock Infinite. And if they pay for the $600 machine that can do that, then or, – or Borderlands 2. It, say they play Borderlands 2. I'm sure the Steam box can either – if it can't stream it, if, they, inve- if he, they invest in the best or better version, I'm sure it can play Borderlands 2 decently well on a giant TV instead of having to invest in, – I think half the point of the Steam box is that we are giving – they're giving an, an alternative for people who own a PC – and do not want to invest in a console, uh, or fully invest in another console, and vice versa. People who people who want to own a console but do not want to invest in a very high end PC. See, and that may be true for Valve's console. I don't. I don't really know. I mean, they haven't released the specs for their console, right? Um, but That's what I'm thinking as far as Valve console goes. But yeah. So here's here's the here's the best thing about Steambox is that. They're not so you will never see Microsoft or or PlayStation or Wii doing this ever. But they're not controlling who makes it. They're basically saying, okay, we're gonna give you a Steam like a Steambox Linux OS specific distro. You have this distro, it is free, you can build hardware for it. We're gonna give you some specifications, here's some APIs to interact with it, but you basically take care of making the hardware. So now Valve is making their own. XI3 is making their own with the piston, and you know they haven't announced any other hardware partners, but I can guarantee you there are also other console makers out there that are like, man, we've got to hop on this. And so you're going to see things that are, that are you know, the $99 streaming console, but you're also going to see things that are like the $600, you know, crazy good graphics uh, or, you know, reasonably good graphics or the $800 crazy good graphics that you can't beat and it's in a small form yeah. factor. It comes with the Steam OS and everything. Yeah, so, yeah, they're turning it yeah. into an OS like Android has where it's on multiple multiple hardware form factors, but it all shares the same kernel. Exactly, and that's yeah. such a good idea. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's, that's, that is a good idea, and I like how they're able to keep the price down because, I mean, the high-end, like the game PC that I have, yes, it is a game PC, but that's not its only function, and that's the big, that's one of the big selling points with people that end up getting high-end gaming machines is that it can pretty much do whatever they want, gaming-wise or non-gaming-wise, that it's their home, you know, system that they do a lot of their home their work at home and homework if they're in school. I mean, it does everything for them. Well, it, sorry. Whereas the Steam console is built solely for the gaming, and so it's good that it's going for a specific demographic like that. But it may it may or may not hurt them in all in not being able to do other functions that just a regular computer does. So well, 
I mean, they're going to be selling it as a gaming console, so I don't think anybody's going to be approaching it to say this is going to be another PC for me. Although the people that do want to approach it like that certainly can. You can install Windows on it. You can install Linux on it if you want to. You can probably... I I can almost guarantee you within a month there will be like a a kernel-level mod that will allow you to dual boot or whatever. But um, I think think what the interesting part of this also is is where they can start cutting costs because now... I mean, I'm taking a look at my gaming PC right now, and I'm saying, you know, what can be cut out of this that necessarily that I don't necessarily need? Well, I don't need maybe both of the eSATA ports on my computer. I don't you need don't all need six thirty solid state drives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't need. I don't need twenty four um, gigs of RAM. Yeah, no, I, I don't. No, take that back. You can always have more memory. <laughs> I've got, I've got, you know, six gigs of RAM. You know, maybe I only need four. Um, especially if I'm just running this, even just the windows license, that's another, you know, hundred dollars gone out of the, out of the cost of a PC. If they take away the disc drive, you know, and you're just buying things on steam and streaming them over the console, boom, that's gone too. All of a sudden that's another $20 off. Maybe I don't need, excuse me, a 700 watt power supply for this entire machine. Boom. That's another 30 bucks off. If I don't need the best processor, that's another $300 off. All of a sudden, you know, you're down to a pretty reasonable PC that can still play games that are top of the line. I mean, I've still yeah, got a Radeon 5770. Just a regular old computer that at that same price range as well for the things that you cut out. I mean, you can build a console for about 6 to 800 bucks that will have or build a computer between 600 bucks that has those same capabilities. But so why I mean, not give yourself the full computer? Well, I mean, because at that point, you're really saying, I really want another computer. The choice is, I mean, so it, taking the price down that much, the things that I'm taking out aren't things that are necessary for gaming. Because the the only thing that I took out that was, that was the processor. And by the way, my processor is, is like is ludicrously overpowered. Um, yeah, I don't need it for any game. There's no game that maxes out my, my uh, CPU yeah, at all. Well, you... That doesn't really count. You work for Intel, so you know you're able to be able to enjoy perks like that. Yeah, no, that doesn't. But that doesn't really make mean anything because it. If you're buying a PC for gaming, then that means you're you're that gamer that is going to invest in the in the console. But if you're a family or if you're a single a single guy or whoever, that doesn't really gonna isn't really gonna go that deep into the pool. They're not gonna go twelve feet deep into gaming. They're only gonna go seven feet then the Steam box is a good alternative when they want to have friends over or if they want to stream games because they're tired of playing on a 22-inch monitor. It's, it's saying, you know, imagine if they bought, like, um, an, a, a pre-built Dell computer and it runs Steam games just fine, but it obviously can't run Crisis 2, but, you know, they still want to play Christ, uh, Splinter Cell or Ghost Recon or Crisis something. One or <laughs> Crisis One. Okay. That's right. <laughs> um, I think it's also a, one fair thing to point out is that it's a Steam box. So Steam has its own built-in web browser and it has its own friends list and it's got a community where you can actually like they've uh, developed Steam on the computer where it has its own like like little tab where you can go and look at like forums and guides and in the Steam Workshop. So if all of that gets incorporated into like a portable OS or like a smaller version OS like they do Steam on TV, then there's nothing to say that it won't have its own uh, dedicated web browser and forums that you can simply talk to other people with just like you could on your PC. It's just going to be in a smaller form factor with much cheaper components where it doesn't require as much of a price yeah. investment. That, that also depends on the ease of use and the kind of... Um speeds that they'll be able to pull off like i've used the steam browser here on my computer before and for a lot of the times it's still much faster for me to run the game windowed and just click out and open up a regular web browser instead of using the steam one or then or if using the browser uh through the steam console now are you going to be using it with a keyboard and everything or are you going to be having to use it like the ps3 browser is or the xbox is and you know you have to either get a separate attachment for your controller or use the controller and go at it at snail's pace so it, it there's just i'm not saying i'm not saying that i'm against this i'm just saying that it seems to have a lot working for it and working against it so it's really hard for me to be able to accurately predict where this can go i mean it, it, it's not as clear cut that this is a fantastic answer to a lot of problems this this could solve a lot of things it can but 
it really depends on how well it can pull it off. Like, the Wii was supposed to be a fantastic console that uses up all this motion controlling, and it's going to be the next generation of console gaming for years to come, and it kind of just still is working at being able to accomplish that, and so it, it, it has a lot of determinations for it. Yeah, and I've got to agree with that. Um, I think... I think, though, I mean, it's got a lot of potential, and it's from a company that, at the very least, I personally trust. I mean, Valve has never steered me wrong in a game. Um, Steam works as a, as an excellent service. I've never had a problem with it, except for the time they got hacked, but that was my fault. Um, yeah, that was. And, yeah, I mean, Half-Life, was, Half-Life uh, Episode 3, that was pretty great when they got that out. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I remember playing that. I was, I remember, I was, I was, so, I was a little kid. I was like five years old, and I was like, "Daddy, can I play Half-Life?" And he said, "Yes, son." And then I did. And, and then you decided to get rid of it and sell it for pencils, so you give that to the kid down the street. Yeah, the, the fat weird kid. Um, <laughs> uh, so you know, the Steam Box. Also, another thing, like imagine, imagine in your head, you're looking at. Imagine if you I, will. Imagine, if you will, the Sunday ads from Target trying to sell you a gaming PC for $1,100. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, just imagine. Most most places that sell you something, like a PC that is billed as being a gaming PC or a gaming laptop, are going to be $900, $800, you know, like a lot of money. All of a sudden, you know, maybe... Because you're not running the OS, you're not running the OS overhead, you're not running, you know, different applications, it's very specified, highly tuned, and you don't need that, uh, all the power you can get to run everything on ultra settings, then they can cut the cost in some areas, and all of a sudden, you have a Steambox console that's only $600, and that's as much as a PlayStation 3 was whenever it came out, and PlayStation 3 wasn't as good as a Steambox console would be right now. Yeah. Ow. Yeah, I, uh, the other comparison, it goes along the same lines that I was talking about with the Worry with its capabilities, kind of like the Wii with its motion controllers, is the gaming, like, what tablets are as compared to laptops. As, you know, when you have simple things like just the laptop with its keyboard, you don't have to buy separate attachments in that, but still, the tablet is going to be very limited, not just because of the programming that it has to run through a separate app and all this kind of debugging crap that they have to go through, but just the simple fact that it's going to be look and feel very different you know the mobile version of minecraft is very different than the actual full version for the computer and that, uh, i know the steam console is supposed to be able to do all these things that uh pc is but at the same time how far will it be able to accomplish that or is it still going to feel like you know what it's really lacking and a couple of things that I didn't think were that key but they really are and it's kind of t- it's just taken away from the experience altogether it's just, ugh. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm really interested in seeing where this goes in the future because at the mo, like at the moment, I can imagine myself having a Steam Box and playing it and using it. I can imagine unplugging it, taking it to a LAN party, and plugging it into somebody's TV and using that to play Counter Strike with people. I can also imagine not buying it because I have a PC that does all that. You know. Um, yeah. It just depends on what sort of features it the, has, you know, stuff like that. Parties, how many people are going to have TVs of equal size as the one that you're using? Or are you going to end up being that guy that has all the attention while everyone else is kind of looking at their monitors, but they're not able to really enjoy it because now you're not equals? Yeah, <laughs> yeah or, you know, you just show up with a monitor. You know, maybe it'll just work with a monitor. Who knows? Which then completely defeats the purpose of the Steam Box. <laughs> well, you don't have to lug around a giant console then. <laughs> well, yeah. you didn't earn the right to play the land. Well, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. If I'm taking my giant con- my giant uh, tower to lands every say a couple weekends. Let's say you go to a land party once or twice a month. Then that's it... a good life. Wow, I wish that... <laughs> Okay, let's put it on once a month and No, you're fine. Uh, you're fine. That sounds you're excellent. Fine. <laughs> okay, and you could do that or you could take a steam box of ver- of a varying degree of like technical performance and it could play near almost most of the games that you would want to play we could play iron group warlord on the steam box you could probably play that on Windows oh god i want that game or we could play um whatever land game that we decide to play team fortress 2 um uh, counter strike 
CSGO. Chivalry. Chivalry. We need to play Chivalry. I'm the only one except for Devin that has Chivalry. We can play those games <laughs> on the Steam Box. <laughs> I'm the only one except not. I would prefer to take the Steam Box with me every time than my console. Or, I mean, than my tower. Because there's also a certain amount of time that requires plugging, taking out and plugging back in the entire tower and setting up. And all that... All that, all that time and effort could be saved if you just had a Steam box. And the conveni- convenience is one of those very powerful motivating factors when it comes to buying a console. Because at this point, it's all about convenience and pleasure. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, at that it, at that point, you know, you're kind of spending six to eight hundred dollars to solve a problem that comes up six times a year that only takes like twenty minutes of hassle. Yeah, well, yeah. With that, the convenience is really shooting towards, I guess, future generations of lands that you know that instead of getting your kid a gaming PC or something, which you know may or may not happen a whole lot depending on the family, but you know instead of getting them the Xbox or whatever that everyone else on the street has, they have something that they can actually use for full-on lands. Then that I can understand, and that's geared towards a new generation of of well landers. But then. You know, that's going to be several years down the road based on what there is out there. And that's still going to compete with the modern PC. um, Yeah, the modern PC gamer, because the PC market is definitely not going to go down. They're still going to have Tiger Direct and Newegg around. So, you know, it's it's, and I'm glad that Steam's not announcing that this is going to be gearing towards taking down the PC or taking down this market or that it's this bridge. But this is still the best option or whatever. It's just. They're marketing it the correct way. It's just it's just a whole lot of wait and see. Yeah, I I agree. I'm really excited to see um, a what their um, what their marketing strategy is once it comes out. Like if they're going to have ads or anything for it. B what hardware partners are going to be coming out and see what price points uh, what price points to performance are going to be coming out with. Because if it's like you know. Uh, you know, two hundred dollars extra lets you run every game that has ever been created on your, you know, on your uh, Steam box, and we guarantee that it'll be able to run games on high settings for the next year. Then, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe that's something I'm interested in, or maybe it's good enough for me to be able to play most games that have come out today uh, on high settings. You know, right? So, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things that. I think it's going to be an interesting question, and it's I'm I'm even more interested to see what kind of peripherals they're going to come out with because if they're talking about using biometrics as an input, um, you know yeah, what other things are they really talking s- about? You I, know? I'm sorry, I just think biometrics as an input for gaming is just it's just a stupid idea. If, if, if unless they are knowing unless they know where it's going to develop into or what it's going to develop into, not where, then that's one thing. But it just that just sounds really campy. Your heart rate and stuff being measured for a game. Come on. Well, I mean, granted, he just said biometrics. The rest of the stuff I made up um, because I I don't know. I, I that's the first biometric I thought of was your. Well, thank you. See, I do. I didn't even realize that. So now I just I'm like a jerk for the last half hour. Thanks. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, like, you, well, like you name anyway. more biometrics. Okay, so here's here's what the actual conversation said was that was uh, he, he, Gabe Newell was talking about motion controls and he said, "Why would you use motion controls for something like your arm?" That's that's like um, I, f- I forgot. I forgot what the exact terminology was, but he basically said it's not providing you nearly as much input as your biometrics would. So you know how you're holding things and and you're like what all of the biometrics that they can get from your hand. Basically, there are uh, like uh, he said it's like comparing. He he was comparing them between like 56k and and broadband because broadband. I mean, you have so many more inputs on your hand. Uh, than just waving it around and pointing your finger. Uh, so he's basically saying when you're holding a controller, there's so much more potential for inputs um, that you don't, you know, necessarily need to think about too much. And he didn't specifically say heart rate, but why wouldn't he use heart rate? Because what is that going to do? His heartbeat's going up. Let's turn on the difficulty so we don't kill him. Yeah, let's let's turn up the difficulty because he's obviously so scared. We can kill him. <laughs> he's scared. Maybe we need to throw more enemies at him. Maybe that's what it's like. That's how I imagine people at at, uh, at Valve talk like. They're all just like, "Yeah, we're going to develop this game in the Steam Box." Because that's what the boss said we should do, right? Right, Bugsy? 
<laughs> Everybody is scout. It's just an entire company of scouts. <laughs> so yeah, I I don't know. It, it sounds like uh it sounds like it's going to be an interesting proposal, and who knows where it's going to go. Uh, but I that's... don't know. But we have some good predictions because we didn't even get to what games I'm looking forward to this year. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? No, what okay. games are it's you okay. looking forward it's okay. to? It's okay. It's okay. Okay. Good. Fine. Good. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you don't get to talk. No, it's all right. We'll, we're going to start that with the next podcast. Like, you know what? It's all going to be about Devin now. So yeah. shut up and listen. <laughs> the entire podcast is just Devin being like, well, oh God. I'm interested in the new Sniper game, but right. not really. I'm glad you said it. I'm holding you to it now. Good luck. Okay. Um, so this has been the Aristogamer podcast for January. Make sure to check out our website at Aristogamer.net. You can check us out on social media, facebook.com slash Aristogamer, twitter.com slash Aristogamer, and Aristogamer.tumblr.com. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel, obviously youtube.com slash Aristogamer. Please go subscribe, like some of our videos, share them with some of your friends. I don't know, they're pretty funny. They've gotten way better. I went back to go watch the first Aristogamer video review, and it's really, really uh, <laughs> terrible quality. I know it is. Oh my god. I was I was uh, watching it, and I was like, this isn't so bad. The lighting is really bad, and my acting is horrible, but, you know, the, the that's alright. Duke Nukem, wasn't it? No, that, it what was, was Portal 2. One? It was which one? Portal, Portal 2. 2. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, and then and then it got to the voiceover parts, and I was like, "Wow, this is way before I got my good mic." I was just talking into my headset. This is awful. Yeah, so yeah, there well, was I, that. I like the original Colonel accent where you had to put in subtitles because you couldn't understand. That was that was good acting, folks. <laughs> oh <my laughs> that God, was not a good idea. That was an excellent idea. That was um, a terrible. All right, so go back, check out our first episodes, and see how much we've improved because we just released uh, our our year end special. There's a whole bunch of awesome Is singing in there, and uh, we're gonna be doing a new video review at the end of this month. Uh, not quite sure what it's gonna be on quite yet. I think we may have already decided. I'm not. I don't remember. Anyway, uh, I don't think we decided. Anyway, go check out our YouTube channel. Please subscribe, like us, share with your friends. I will uh, give you a handshake. Uh, this has been Colby and Devin and Casey, and we will see you guys next month. All right, have some good gaming, guys.